Good morning, everybody. Uneducated Economist here. So I've recently had a viewer comment that they are enjoying the channel and like this idea that we are supposed to take on this economic information for ourselves so that we can make the best decisions for for ourselves and our family and, you know, the most appropriate you know decision for our ultimate outcome. And that listening to other people is not necessarily the best way to get the information that you need in order to make this decision for yourselves. Obviously, most information is going to come from other people out there. But to take this information on for yourself, decipher it for yourself, and come to your own conclusions. And a lot of times when people hear me say that, they're like, what do you mean by this? Like, give us some examples of what it is that you even mean by this, internalizing this information for yourself, so that you can, you know, mess best... <laughs> Good Lord. Some people just can't speak, you know. Anyway, the make the best decisions for yourself when it, when you decipher all this information. And a lot of times when you are getting information from, say, somebody who is very much invested in gold, you are going to get negative outcome stuff from the dollar, from the government, from the Federal Reserve, and all positive stuff from, like, the idea of gold taking over as a new world reserve currency or replacing the dollar and moving back into a world reserve currency, therefore making everybody who's holding gold ultra rich, right? So there's these like major differences in views of what is going to be taking place within the economy and the ultimate outcome from that. Now, if you look at a lot of this information that you are seeing, you're going to find that it's very opinionated. It's very factual, right? Remember that it is factual. But it is also very opinionated. So they'll take a piece of you know factual information, blow it way out of proportion, or use it and not incorporate other information to contradict the information that they have, right? So you have to internalize all this stuff for yourself. And now I've learned more and more that if I do this, I can now make the most appropriate decisions for myself. I find that I am not in a position of worry about the economy. I mean, I do get concerns about like some of the things that I see going on out there, but I have positioned myself in a way to deal with a lot of the concerns that I see happening because I have internalized this information for myself. Now, a lot of people who are reliant on the news for their information, right? They say, man, I got to have this information coming to me from the news, from a political fashion in order for me to understand the economy. You'll be making decisions based on that. And therefore, whatever happens within the political environment will then impact your life. This is something important to understand because this is how you have internalized the information. This is how you have positioned yourself. And this is very dangerous, Right. Because you have put it on a political outcome now. Right. And now I know a lot of people are like who who have done this. They have no other way of seeing it. Believe me, I was there. I know. Right. And it is very difficult to try and see it any other way other than the political fashion of it, because there is so much information from so many directions that bombard us in a political mindset. And so it's very difficult to step out of that. To, to separate yourself from that and then internalize just the economic information, the facts, no matter how it's opinionated to you, so that then you can make this appropriate decision, right? So now, I, I, I can't really explain it any more than that. I know it's kind of like very esoteric thinking, like, you know, how do I, how, again, how do I do this? Well, you have to then, like, decipher, understand, break it down. Right. To not look at it from a particular fashion, but to look at it objectively. Right. 
just for an example, let's take like something like the uh, September 19th, September of 2019, right? This is when we had the repo market, right? The non-QE, QE, the liquidity crisis take place in the banking system. People flipped out, right? This is when the non-QE, QE thing was set up, right? And, and everybody was just like, you know, all lit up about the Federal Reserve going back into money printing and, you know, doing these overnight swaps with treasuries for dollars and stuff. It was it was big news, really big news. And people thought for sure there was like a banking crisis taking place. Right. And now if this is the first time you are gathering this information, right, when you, in September of 2019, you turn on the news and this is taking place, you're like, what in the world? Right. And so now all of a sudden you got all this political, you know, thoughts that are flying all over the place and people are, you know, trying to explain what's happening. But really, had you just been following the Federal Reserve's information, they were talking about setting up a repo facility. And now they didn't exactly talk about how this was going to be used, but they talked about needing it in the future. Right. And so now I did a video called Things Are Changing where I talked about this very thing, right? I talked about the repo facility and how the Federal Reserve wanted to set this thing up. This was prior to the September 2019. I didn't know it was going to be because of a banking liquidity issue, right? I didn't know that part, but I knew that the Fed wanted this standing facility. And so when it they set it up and boom, it was in operation, I was like, yeah, I knew that. Like, I mean, I didn't know that, you know, like that's the way it was going to go down. But I knew that they, this facility was was like... In their head, like they knew that they needed it, right? And so, like, when this information comes out in September 2019, all of a sudden people are screaming banking crisis, right? They don't know, right? They're getting it from political information. Now they're making decisions based on this idea that this is like crisis, right? That this was something that was unexpected because nobody's really explaining it in the fashion that it was expected, right? But... You know, really, if you had been following the Fed and listening to their own statements, we knew ahead of time that this particular facility was in their mind ahead of time, right? So I had internalized that information. When it comes out, people are like screaming, like, you know, banking the crisis, you know, liquidity crisis. And I'm like, wait a minute, no, hold on here. Like the Fed knew this was coming, right? Because they talked about it already. So it's not the crisis, like Fed lost control. They don't know what they're doing, kind of thing. They knew exactly what they were doing. This was this was planned, right? Again, like they didn't explain it, you know, step one, step two, step three, right? But they did say that you know they wanted this facility and the reasons why they wanted it. And I couldn't, you know, I mean, I'm the uneducated economist. How am I supposed to say like, oh, well, this is going to happen in September of 2019 that there's all of a sudden going to be this big, huge cash withdrawal due to a tax payment, corporate tax payment, and all this money leaving the banking system moving over to the Treasury General account causing, you know, an overnight lending rate to just shoot up to 10%. I had no clue that was going to take place, right? <laughs> However, knowing that they wanted that facility when they did set that up, it was like, okay, this is a planned event, right? This is, this was expected. So again, internalizing that particular information ahead of time. Lumber, right? I called out the lumber industry so accurately. Like I called out lumber so accurately beyond anybody else. In fact, I had people shaking their heads going, how in the world is he able to do this? Right? Got, you know, invited to go speak on stage, you know, to, to explain what was happening within the lumber industry. 
But again, I had internalized most of the information to understand what was taking place within the lumber industry. I wasn't reliant on the news. Like if I was reliant on the news and the, and the information I was like reading on the news, I was just like, these guys have no clue. Not only are they so late with the information and making it seem like this is this is today or so like they are they they missed it they com the the media completely missed the lumber industry right and that was one of the reasons why the channel here got so popular right is because i had so many people going dude how is he doing this how is he able to call this out so accurately and again it was like if you know the mills if you know the truck drivers, if you know the loggers, if you know the retail end, which is what I work, if you know the vendors, right, there's no corner of the lumber market that I did not know. Like, I knew everybody within it, right, or at least somebody that I could communicate with. And I had, like, I mean, I'm talking, like, from the big-time mills all the way up in British Columbia to, you know, like, Madison's Lumber report, Reporter who, you know, compiles, like, information from mills all across the United States and Canada as far as prices. I had information coming from every direction, and what I could see was so different from what everybody was talking about. And I was just like, I, I was trying to explain that. I was saying it to people. This is an inventory breakdown. This is an inventory depletion. This is a mill curtailment issue that has taken place, right, that was happening due to environmental issues and impacts and price you know, stumpage fees and stuff like that. There was so much information to try and decipher to come to the conclusion that when it was at 1700 per thousand, and I'm saying it's going to go back to normal. And what is everybody going to say when it does, when inflation is still running hot and lumber is at its normal price, what is everybody going to say? Right. And that's exactly what we experienced here. We got lumber at 550 per thousand. It's been down here at this lower, you know, 500, high 400s for months. This is a price that we experienced back in 2018. I mean, to me, it was very clear. There was no question on what was going to take place. So when everybody was like very confused and trying to figure out what was happening within the lumber industry, how come all of a sudden construction costs were tripling, right? They couldn't figure it out. And I'm over here explaining it, right? This is because I had internalized all this information. This is the way I was able to make the best, most appropriate decisions for myself. And I'm not always accurate, right? I mean, I will admit that, you know? I mean, you know, if you are 100% accurate all the time, then, you know, you must be some sort of god, right? I mean, it doesn't go like that. Nobody can predict the future, right? You can look at the current situation that we are experiencing, look at the past and how that happened, you know, and the outcomes that came from it, and hopefully come up with, you know, a reasonable idea of what the, what the you know, near future will be like. But nobody can predict the future, right? It's just, you know, you just can't do it. But when you come up with, you know, bold calls like I did, Right? It's not because I have some magic, you know, ability to foresee the future or something like that. It was because I could understand what was taking place within the banking industry from the things that I read about the Federal Reserve and how it is that, you know, and how it is that that was going to impact, you know, especially things like the lumber market. But where I screwed it up is where I thought that the housing market was going to completely crash when the interest rates went up. I mean, it only made sense. That that's what would take place. If interest rates fall and the prices of homes go up, then if interest rates go up, the price of homes come down. 
right? But even just recently, I was reading an article that what October home prices from the previous October are up four percent, right? So it's not it's not outcoming like you know the outcome isn't what I thought it was going to be when the interest rates started to elevate. However, my understanding of what has taken place has changed. Right? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so when I start looking at things in a different fashion, when I start to understand the mortgage market in a different light, you know, when the Federal Reserve starts to unwind their balance sheet, just the thought of that alone, right, that they are going to take mortgage-backed securities away from their balance sheet. That means they're going back into the market. That means there's going to be a flood of mortgage-backed securities out there. That means the price of them falls and the yields rise. People won't be able to afford the mortgage payments anymore. This is exactly what I thought was going to take place. Now, as it started to happen... The yields found a plateau and they wouldn't go any further. I was like, what's going on here? Like, weren't they supposed to go like 15%, 20%? I mean, this is what I thought was going to happen, but now I'm internalizing this information and think, what is going on here, right? Let's look up this, look at this objectively because these mortgage rates shot up right away. Not in lockstep with the Federal Reserve. They're not going. They're not moving with the Fed, right? As everybody says, the Federal Reserve raises interest rates. Mortgage rates are continuing to rise. That's not what happened. I, I recognize that right away. I'm like, wait a minute here. This is this is this is not the same, right? As the Federal Reserve is moving their rates up, the mortgage rates plateaued out. They hit that seven eight percent. They fluctuated around a little bit, but they did not continue to move up with the Fed funds. They hit their limit, right? And so as I started realizing this, I'm like, wait a minute now. The mortgage market has found its position, right? 8%, 7%, this is where they want to issue out loans. This is where the investors are coming in. This is where the mortgage market is finding its support. Well, wait a minute here. If it doesn't go up to 15%, then how are the house prices going to come down? Nah, you see, I'm starting to figure this thing out a little bit differently. Now I'm starting to understand how come it is that my house that I bought that I thought was going to go down in price and I was going to have to like you know live a little while underwater on my home is actually increased in price by a dramatic amount. Like during the time, like the completely opposite of what I was that I was going to think, what I was thinking was happening. But now I understand it in a different fashion, right? Got to internalize the information. I mean, I didn't think I was making the appropriate decision for myself at the time. I really didn't. I didn't feel like I had any other choice. And I mean, I struggled with that purchasing of that home, right? But I looked at, you know, what it was that I had going on. I could make the payments on it. I had, you know, low, I mean, I had a fairly, decent income comparatively to what my bills are going to be. And I was like, I can do this. Like I can live in this house, right? Today, I would not be able to do that. Like at the interest rates and the price of the home, I would not be able to buy the same house, right? 
So even though it was a struggle to do it, I still ended up making that decision, even though I was fighting against it. I didn't want to, but I still did it, right? Even with the information that I internalized that I thought was going to end up being completely different from what I, from the outcome that I had expected, right? It, it, it ended up being completely different. It doesn't really matter. The information that I had taken was enough, right? For the position that I was in to go ahead and make that appropriate decision, even though it didn't feel like it. Isn't that weird? Like, this is how this ends up working out. It's like it almost becomes intuitive. You don't even know that you're doing this. You know, you're just making the right decisions all on your own because you have taken in so much information. And even when you think you you got the outcome, right, it, it may not be that way, right? It's It's almost, as a lot of people put it, letting the universe take control, God's will, whatever you want to call, right? But this is because you have internalized this information. You're not letting somebody else dictate to you what it is, right? I mean, you can listen to their facts, right? You can listen to their opinions, but their opinions are not your opinions. Your opinions are the ones that are going to end up with your outcome and making the decisions that you do. Yeah. I mean, even like this car, for example, people like see the video and they see me in this new car, right? It's a 10-year-old escape. It's not the, you know, it's not some fancy ride. And then like they look at it, it was just like, oh, you put out these videos talking about driving beater cars, but yet you go out and buy this new fancy vehicle. And I'm like, this is not a fancy vehicle. And my wife earns the money to buy this thing, right? That's what happened here. I have three vehicles that are all beaters. And if she didn't have this, she would be driving one of those, right? But she doesn't want to drive one of those. So she has a job so she can drive one of these. That's her decision to make, right? But when it comes to the outcome of our family, the household, and all that other stuff, there's no difference, right? Whether she worked or didn't work, bought this car or didn't buy the car, the outcome of our family still is the same. And that's what I think, like, a lot of people misunderstand when they see me in this vehicle. And then they think, like, you know, well, you, you know, put out this, like, false idea of who you are. No, I don't. I drive beater vehicles. Right. And even her buying this vehicle, I was like very much against it. You can ask her about it. It was just like I didn't want her to do it. But, you know, she actually made a pretty good decision at the time because right after that, the vehicles went up major in price and she got a really low interest rate payment on this. I mean, it's like I forget, like I forget the interest payment on this is so low. It's just like, do not pay this thing off early. You know, it's just like there's no point to that. You can. <laughs> so these are like, again, like I don't know if these are the examples that I that are you looking for or or what, but. Again, it's all about like how it is that we can make the best decisions for ourselves. You know, I thought about like a food cart idea, right? My wife has, has worked in the food industry her whole life. So she's worked restaurants and catering and, you know, worked delis and stuff like that. So she's she's very much in aware of how the food industry works. And not like, you know, or some, you know, have some culinary passions or something behind, you know, behind our motivation we do enjoy like, you know, the idea of business and the idea of owning a restaurant or a bar or something like that, even though we don't drink, it was something that we had talked about in the past. Like, this is like, you know, she understands the business. And so understanding that and wanting to set something up like that, knowing what's taken place within the economy, especially right now, gives me a better insight on what it is that I need to do in order to maybe have something like that in my life. You know, there's going to come a time in which that people who had borrowed a lot of money are going to have a difficult time 
paying those loans back, if we run into a liquidity crisis, understanding what a liquidity crisis is and how that, how that you know slows the economy down, makes it difficult to get loans, get, makes it difficult for for money velocity to take place, and it makes it difficult for people to go down to the local restaurants or the food carts or something like that, right? So understanding that's what's taken, what's going to be taking place or could possibly take in place and recognizing some of the issues inside of that, you know, then gives me a, what I feel is a better insight as opposed to just like, man, I really want to follow my passion of having a, a owning a restaurant someday, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. Following your passion is a very important thing in life, but also understanding that following your passion doesn't lead you into economic chaos you know i mean that's like that's important to understand as well and and this is again like internalizing this information for yourself if you start a business at the very bottom of a recession i mean think about it it'll be nothing but good economic times taking place after that if you start it right before the recession now you have to deal with bad economic times suffer through it and then hopefully come out the other other side prosperous right if you can, you'll probably come up with a very stable, strong business if you can do it. However, if you start a business at the base of the recession or what you feel is the base of the recession or the bottom of the recession, from that point on, everything should become more economically easier, financially easier. Everything about your business should be easier. I mean, if you just think about, you know, the expansion of the, of the economy. However, you also have to recognize that you might be at the top. And that taking out a loan for the new Camaro may not be the smartest idea, right? Even though your business is rolling right now. You know, taking that vacation, buying those luxury items, when you see the money just rolling in, you're thinking, man, this is going to last forever, right? But understanding and internalizing the information saying, no, this isn't going to last forever. This is, this is a rational exuberance that we are experiencing, right? And I know it's going to end. And if it does end, I better be positioned for it, right? And even if it doesn't end, I should probably take on the idea and position something within my life to deal with the fact that if that does occur, I will at least have this in my life, right? See, this is, again, this is how internalizing this information is going to protect you. If you listen to somebody out there and they say, cash is trash, get out of cash, Right, and you internalize that as oh my god, you you will you will spend your money. You won't you won't necessarily invest it. You won't put it into into the place that you you think you should. You will literally go and dump it into like beer and Pepsi and you know, and not like stocks, like the physical item and consume it. Like you won't you, you know people hear cash is trash, and I'm not talking like. The wise investors, people who are, have money going, no, I want to do something with it. I don't want to spend it, right? I want to invest it. That's different. But most people, when they hear it on the news, they hear cash is trash. They need to get out of the cash before everything, you know, they don't like, somehow it's evil or something, you know? And it's simply not the case. If you internalize that information for yourself, you say, no, man, while everybody's saying cash is trash, I'm going to stock up on it because at some point it's not going to be trash and people are going to be selling their new dirt bike that I really want. Right? And I'm going to get it for a lot cheaper than what they paid for it. Right? Because everything goes on sale in a recession. And you're not scared of the idea. You're actually anticipating it. And even if it doesn't come, no big deal. Right? You're saving your money. You're doing your thing. You're not listening to the people out there telling you what, the, what it is that you're supposed to be doing with this. Right? 
I mean, don't get me wrong. There's facts. It is all factual. All of it, right? They will come out and give you all this stats and, you know, information and facts and all everything, right? And there's no, it's not lies, right? But they don't give you the information in a way that you are going to internalize it for yourself. They're giving you information as if you were them. Right? And they aren't you, right? You will never be them. They have no clue who you are. They have no idea what it is that you need in your life. They don't know that you wanted that dirt bike, right? Only you knew that. And only you knew that that's the reason why you were stacking cash because you saw your buddy over there who was like a really cool dude, right? I mean, he loves sitting around drinking beers and hanging around the, you know, the campfire and stuff like that. But he doesn't make good decisions with his money. And he's got that new truck and he's got that new baby and he's got that dirt bike and he's going to sell it. And he don't want to be the vulture, but it's going to go to somebody, right? And if it's not him, maybe you don't like him. It doesn't matter. It's, it's still, it's going to go to somebody. And that's the point, right? And that's where you have, you know, positioned yourself to get the dirt bike and not go down just because, you know, you've have a bunch of stimulus money thinking, man, now I'm going to go down to the, you know, to the dealership and go get that brand new bike because I, you know, somehow deserve it because I got a stimulus check. Like this is not the, you know, that's not how, I mean, maybe that's the way you internalized it, but you know, I, I guess for me, this is how the example let it go. Not that I want a dirt bike, but I'm just using that for an example. You know, again, how do you internalize it for yourself? It's all about you. I looked at like some of the things that were taking place with the special purpose vehicles when the Federal Reserve was setting, setting those things up during the pandemic. And I'm like, does anybody else see what's going on here? Right. That, you know, I first when they first set it up, I'm, I'm especially like the corporate debt lending facility. I thought to myself, man, this is going to create a situation that nobody is really anticipating. Right. And now I don't know exactly how that information got me to make the best decisions for myself. I don't know. Right. But I know the eventual outcome of my life still had that thought in mind. So the decisions that I was making every day still had like, you know, all these things that the Federal Reserve and Treasury were doing during the pandemic. Right. That everybody thought, oh, man, they're in panic. They don't know what they're doing. They have, you know, lost control of all this stuff. And I'm looking at each one of these things going, no, man, these things were set up. Like, this is this is premeditated, right? All this stuff. Bank term funding program, all these, all these things. And so when people ask me, are you worried about having your money in the bank? No, I'm not. I mean, I should be. I mean, I said that. Like, people ask me that, literally ask me that, God, I'm really ranting, aren't I? Okay, and maybe not ranting, but just going off on tangents. People ask me, hey, are you nervous about keeping your money in the bank, like cash in the bank? And I said, no, but I probably should be, but I'm not. And when they asked why, I said, because the Federal Reserve will have lifeboats. And I, and, and I know that's like, it's hard to like even just openly admit it, saying that I'm going to be reliant on my money being safe in the banking system because I know that the Federal Reserve has a lifeboat like that right there like even just outwardly saying it doesn't even really like make sense like you know to me it was just like man that's a dangerous position to be in but then understanding it in the sense that you know they know this is coming like they they know the problems are are out there and they've got these tools that nobody knows about right 
And this is what I, and, and, the, and so since I have internalized it in that fashion, I know to keep my money in separate banks. That this bank may go down, but not all of them are going to go down. That keeping all your money in banks or in institutions is dangerous within itself. And that having something that's away from that third-party claim, gold or crypto or guns and ammo, something of that nature, right? This is, this is how I've internalized this information. It was just like, if this happens, I got a counter, right? To, to everything. Like nothing out there that I can think of would, in, would impact my life. Like, I mean, everything will impact your life no matter what, but nothing's going to be like, oh man, that's totally out of the blue devastated you. I mean, if it does, it does. But, you know, for the most part, I'm not worried about any one particular economic outcome. I'm just like here to see what it is and make, and again, position myself for what it is that is happening out there. It's not good or bad. It's just is. It's like being in the weather, like, you know, yeah, bad weather, bad to who? You know, I mean, if you're a duck hunter, right, bad weather is good. Like, literally, like you want to be in the nastiest, harshest weather out there because that's when the, the birds are flying the most. Right. That's when you that's when you have some of the best successes when you're in the middle of the nastiest weather. You know, so it's 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 bad weather to who, you know, it doesn't you know, bad weather is really like, you know, it's objective, you know, to how you how you're going to look at it. And that's the same thing with the economy. The economy is much like the weather. You know, yeah, interest rates are high. I mean, did you position yourself to be in a high interest rate environment? Or did you position yourself that if a high interest rate environment was to occur, you would end up losing your business, losing your house, losing your family, losing everything you have because you were just hoping and wishing and dreaming or believing that it was going to remain low for the rest of your life because that's what they said on the news. Remember, I mean, Kudlow, Larry Kudlow says, I don't think interest rates will ever rise again in my lifetime or something like that. I forget. Ex I mean, it was just like, I don't know. I don't mean to accuse him. I might be wrong on the on that one. But I mean, I heard this statement and it, it was funny because it was it was even in, a, in an interview with Alan Greenspan where they asked him, what do you think about this idea that interest rates will will never rise again? And he was just like, wait a minute, say that again. And they're like, yeah, interest rates won't rise again in our lifetime. And he starts chuckling. He says, yeah, I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. Right. And I mean, this is an old man, like a really old man in his 90s, right? Or something like that. And he's laughing at this lady saying, it's never going to rise in our lifetime, in like my lifetime, even, you know? <laughs> it was just like, and he's an old man. All right. And this is at the time. So, again, like when I look at the information, I internalize it for myself to say it's not necessarily what this person is saying. It's not their opinion. The facts might be right, right? But their opinion may be wrong. And in fact, their opinion may be from a position that is so different from mine that it doesn't even make sense for me to, to follow this, this opinion, right? Because I'm not anywhere near that or have that going on in my life. I don't have investments. I don't have businesses. I don't have, you know political positions to hold or anything like that. I'm showing up every day for work and I'm trying to figure out how it is that I'm going to make the next bill, right? That is a much different position to be in than some dude who's spitting out macroeconomics on, on the internet or on the news or anywhere else. Like even, you know, me giving this information, it's all should be internalized for yourself and not, not looked at as like, you know, gospel. Or something like that. Like, you know, everything I have to say is 100% factual. I mean, 
sure i have a lot of facts within it i put a lot of links down in the description i have a lot of opinion that i put towards it from a working class point of view and a lot of people can relate to this a lot of people can't a lot of people look at the information just going holy crap this guy really nailed it in the lumber industry no pun intended right but really got it in the in the lumber industry way better than anybody else if i had that information like he had i could have made a million dollars and then people actually did if you if you if you think about like i mean i don't know about a million dollars but you know accumulatively if you took all the people who saved money or all the people who might have earned money in investments then it might have it might be right it might accumulate to a million dollars between everybody I had so many people to come to me and say, man, because of your information, I held out on a remodel that we needed to do. We saved $20,000. Thank you so much. You saved my family 20 grand. And I'm like, yeah, bro, no problem. Like to me, it wasn't like I, it wasn't my intention was to save you 20 grand. My intention was just to come out with the information that I was seeing and present it in a way that I saw was accurate to what I was viewing. Right? And because of that that accurate view with no intentions. I had, I wasn't trying to sell anything. I wasn't trying to invest in anything. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't, I wasn't after anything. I had nothing to sell, right? You know, all I wanted to do was just put out that information. And because I put it out accurately for the working class people from a working class point of view, working class people were able to benefit from that. Right. I mean, it felt great. You know, I don't know. Okay. I've just rambled on way too long. Uneducated economist, you let me know.